0: Well, good morning, guys. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. and uh, Once a month, the pastor has me up, and and we're going through the Gospel of Mark. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. And if you don't have one, just reach over somewhere in the pew. And and if you can't find one, raise your hand, and I'll get the pastor that does everything else in the church, Dave, to get you one. (laughs) So we can do that. So turn to the Gospel of Mark. We're in Chapter 2, and we're moseying our way through uh, the Gospel of Mark. So while you turn there, let's pray. Father, um, your word has been our life. It's been that which sustains us. And we do not want to take for granted not one word on the pages. But we want to ask you, as our pastor has said, move us out of the way and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us simply and and profoundly as only you can. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last that we met, um, that we talked, uh, taught, we were in Mark chapter 2. We went through verse 1 through 12. And we were there looking at how Jesus was in Capernaum at a relaxing area uh, there, and he was in a house that he kind of frequent, and people knew that he was there. And so we looked at that, and we mentioned how, well, here we have Jesus in a house, and he frequented, and people knew where to go to find Jesus. Well, Jesus lives in us, if you're born again and saved, in the temple, in the house. And where you hear it would be nice, while Jesus is in us, that others that don't know him would know where to find him. Sort of like what we did. So that's what we talked about. Uh, We also looked at the persistence of five men. And then we looked at four men uh, that were carrying somebody. And we looked at four things. We looked at these four men that were carrying their buddy to Jesus. And and we we looked at it and we saw that they were willing to carry this man. They were able-bodied, strong to carry this man. They were determined, remember? They were determined to get him to Jesus. And they were relentless in all of the obstacles that came they w- their way. They breached them, you know. So, and we applied that to our Christian walk. That's what we did last time. Uh, we talked about that our Christian life can be very much like theirs. Are we willing to carry a person to Jesus who needs help? That was one thing. The other thing we said was, are we strong enough spiritually to carry a person to Jesus? you know that's a, the third thing was um are we strong enough um, and are we determined enough to get that person to jesus and we also learned last time are we relentless enough not to let obstacles stand in our way as we're bringing someone to jesus so that's what we talked about last time that took us from verse 1 to verse 12 chapter 2 gospel of mark now we're into verse 13 So if you look at verse 13 right here, we're going to go into this and we're going to talk about a young man. Well, I don't know how old he was, but we're going to introduce you to a gentleman by the name of Levi or Matthew. And I know that you know him because he's the one that wrote the gospel of Matthew. Um, He works as a tax collector. We're going to see that. And he works in an area which is in a seaport city. So he has a really nice, cushy job there. Um, But before we get into verse, that verse 13, tax collectors, you see that throughout the Gospels, right? Tax collectors and publicans. Well, in Israel, okay, like anywhere else in the world, taxes are definitely something that are always being asked of the people. But in Israel, in Jesus's day, the Jews, okay, that were hired to do this were not looked upon very nicely by their own brothers and sisters, Okay, but that's what they did. They had a job in there and there it was. And it was interesting how some of these tax collectors got their jobs. This is the, it was really funny. What they would do is the Roman government would have different areas and they would bid, actually bid, the tax collectors would bid for the job. And they would go to the Roman government and say, hey, I can get this amount of money from this city or from this port or whatever. And that's how they are pretty much hired. So here we have a little bit of background about that and um, how they got paid was interesting. So they're doing the work for the government, but how they got paid is they would add a fee on what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like today, right? But they would add a fee on what they're asking you and these guys were really shrewd they would be like they can charge anything they want so if they were in a real lucrative area like by the seaport and those type of things all these commodities coming in boy they're gonna rake up you know whatever it's like you know you have a construction guy come over your house and he's gonna build something right you say how much to fix this door And the guy goes, well, I'm going on vacation next week. You say, well, come back after vacation because he's going to charge you his vacation pay for putting a door. Just kidding. But anyway, so that's how things were in in the government back then. But um, working for the Roman government made you an enemy of your own people. And because of greed and money and all sorts of illegal activities going on with this stuff, the Jews hated these tax collectors. They hated them. They were extortioners, they were thieves, and they were called sinners. So now let's enter into verse 13 and let's take a look and see what it says here. Verse 13, Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. Now notice something in verse 13. Look again. It says all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. Very interesting. Jesus has a very attractive personality about him that he drew crowds. That's something we see about the Lord. And he never put on a show. When the crowds came, he didn't do anything different than what he was there to do, which was to give the people exactly what they needed, which was what? Teaching his word. Think about that. His word. Now, I would hope, looking at these people being gathered to him, I would hope that many were gathering to him because they delighted in his word. Wouldn't you hope that? Wouldn't you hope that the only reason why I'm coming The house of the Lord. The only reason why these people are gathering to Jesus is because of his word, not because he's giving out something, not because of anything. Because when you delight in God's word, it does something to your life, it changes your life. Listen to Psalm 40, verse 8 it says, I delight to do your will, oh my God, and your word is within my heart. What a prayer for God's word to get a hold of us, right? So God's word should cause us, as we get into God's word, it should cause us to love God more, and it should cause us to do God's will a whole lot more, especially when it comes up against our own will. You see, God's word does something when you begin to love God's word and you get into it, he speaks to you. And a lot of things that, I don't know about you, but I like to go my own way sometimes in life. I like to make my own decisions. But God has a say in my life because he loves me. And he has a say in your life because he loves you. So the more that we get into God's word, the more that it causes us to want to love God and follow God. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. (laughs) Quite amazing, isn't it? I mean, when you read that, you're like, wait a minute here. Now, wait, 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 just a second. Notice three things that Jesus does here. Let's see if you caught what I caught. Three things that Jesus does right here. He passes by. Very interesting. Second thing. He sees Levi where he is sitting in his life, and he sees his heart. The third thing that we see here, right, that Jesus does, is he speaks to Levi. He speaks to him. Now, I want you to catch this. Levi is the name of the tribe that the priests came from in the Old Testament, and the Levites came from. This was not just any tribe. This was a special tribe that God had that he set aside to stand before him to serve him, minister to him, come before him in song, in singing, in service, in all kinds of things for the people before the Lord. That's the tribe that we're talking about here. And when Jesus saw him, he looked right into his heart. And what this spoke to me was, here is a man that has the name Levi from a tribe that is supposed to be standing before God and worshiping God and who is he sitting for the Roman government who is he working for the Roman government who is he tied to all of the extortionists and when the Lord looked at him you know what spoke to me it spoke to me of restoration that out of love God saw what he was. He knew what he was supposed to be, and he wasn't there. Maybe he left. Maybe he was a good Jew at one time, and then he just got caught up in the whole worldly money-making scheme things. But God saw deeper. He saw someone that he loved, and he says, you once were, now you need to become again. And I'm telling you, that's what God does with us, right? Think about it. He, Jesus Christ is passing by all of humanity even today. He sees what we have become and he sees us sitting in our sin. Can't hide anything. But what does God do to us? He speaks to us to do two things. First to save you if you don't know him. And then second if you do know him and you've walked away or you're a bit away from him. He wants to restore you right back to fellowship with him. I love it, I love it, I love it. Now, look at, notice, notice the four things about this man, Levi. Did you see this? Look at this. Levi is someone's son. Hmm, interesting, right? And, and the, the scriptures bring this out. His da- it even gives his dad's name, Alpheus. if I'm pronouncing that right. Where's Dave, right? Alphaeus, which means, guess what his name in Hebrew means? Change. His name means change, right? Now, I'm not sure how his father felt about him being a tax collector. <laughs> However, um, I would say the point of view of the fathers in, in Judaism in the first century would not be too happy with their kid coming home saying, hey, dad, I'm a tax collector. <laughs> I don't think so. He'd be like, you see that door? You need to keep on walking. Don't let it hit you on the way up. So, but I don't know. I don't know. But, but the Jewish point of view, you know, it's it's not a good thing. Now, I'm sure that if if his dad felt this is the way most Jews did, he was disappointed with his kids, and I'm sure that he would have sat up at night and gone, oh, "Man, I thought better for my kid. I wanted better for my kid, but look at him now. He's a tax collector, Republican. I can't bring him home and say he's my son. But you know what?" Many of us can be right in Alpheus' position. And we can look at our kids, those of us that have them. (laughs) We can look at our kids, and and we could be a little disappointed at where they are in life. And we can say to ourselves, it's not what I wanted for them. This is not where they were supposed to be. My kid is is wayward. My kid is on drugs. My kid is an alcoholic. My kid is caught up in pornography. My kid is caught up in in lying and stealing and I don't know, all kinds of things that the world tears our kids up with. And we can sit there and, ah, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Jesus, our Savior, he can make a change. He can restore the lives no matter what our kids are caught up in what jesus did for our fears he can definitely do for us do not stop praying for your children do not quit oh but i don't see anything happening i don't care you if you would have walked by with jesus or came in a little before jesus you would have saw him sitting in the taxi and said ain't no hope for that jew no hope for him But then Jesus came, right? And was there hope? You got that right. Change. How long did it take? An hour? Two hours? Three hours? Mm Mm-mm. Immediately. When you least expect it. (laughs) Don't quit praying for your children. Now. Notice something else about him, okay? Levi was a tax collector, he was a publican, and here's a little bit of background about the word publican. That's just a Latin word that's there in the scriptures that means tax gatherer, okay? So some of those guys were hired by the chief tax guys anyway. But that's what he was, he was a tax collector. Also, notice this, Levi was at work when he was called. Not a lazy man, he was at work when he was called. And notice this too, I love this one, guys, the fourth thing. Levi rose up, he left all, and he followed Jesus' command. He didn't follow money, no more. He didn't follow people, no more. He didn't follow the priorities that the world has on life. Who did he follow? Jesus. Simple Jesus, who didn't have a fancy Cadillac, well, in didn't have Cadillacs back then. Fancy donkey. <laughs> didn't have anything. But he got up. This rich guy got up. And he followed. What does that say to our hearts today? I'll just leave that with you for a minute. But I do want to say this. No matter what job we have, no matter how hard we are working, no matter how much money that we are making or not making, (laughs) I encourage you, when the Lord Jesus calls you, rise up and follow him because it's worth it. It is worth it to follow the Lord. He loves you very much. Now, let's look at verse 15. Let's move along. Now, it happened as he was dining Okay, so now it happened, as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors, uh uh-oh, many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. So Jesus had a whole lot of disciples besides his 12 following him, and here they are. And, and, you know, I looked at this, and I said, he was dining at Levi's house, right? Right? And I said to myself, how in the world did Jesus get to his house? How did he get there? I mean, first he's here, and the next thing he's here, sitting having a meal. I love that. How did that happen? Well, Luke chapter 5 tells us that Levi invited him. He says he gave him a great feast. Not a little, you know, not just some little wafers and coffee. No, a great feast. So here we have this big gathering. Now, notice something. You got to look at Levi. He was not ashamed to take Jesus home with him. Now, when we are first saved and we come to a faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus comes spiritually, actually spiritually, guys, and he lives within us. He takes up residence right here. He's in charge of our life forever, for good, and he will never, ever leave us. I love that. He's home. He's here. Not ashamed to take Jesus home with him. Notice something else about Levi. He turned his house into a dining hall (laughs) and a Bible study. This guy is too much. I mean, what a change of life. Right? So he changes everything. Now, what Levi, or whatever he had, and he had a lot as a rich dude, Levi, whatever he had, he now had given it to Jesus to use. Hmm. Now, we too can follow Levi's example, right? For all that we have is what the Lord gave us anyway. But here's the thing. Every room that Levi had in his home, right, was open to Jesus. Now, think about ourselves. Every room in our heart, every room in our home, we've invited Jesus in, every single room should be open for Jesus to have a comfortable residence and residing there. And also, if, if we are um, the type of people that are not ashamed to take Jesus anywhere, the day that we are ashamed to take Jesus somewhere, those are places we should not go. I should be able, you should be able as a Christian to say, my Jesus, we go everywhere together. It is not a time that I say, Lord, you know, you need to stay outside because where I'm going, I don't think you need to see. No, that's, that's, that's not the relationship that we have. May we all have, okay? May, may all of us turn everything over that what we have unto the Lord. Let him do with it what he wants and ha- let him have free reign over everything look at verse 15 again it says many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus (laughs) look look at this notice the difference between um, the religious of his day okay and Jesus let's look at verse 15 now it happened now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together right Now, I want you to look at a comparison here. You have outcast people, you have extortioners, you have sinners, you have this whole motley crew sitting right there with Jesus. These guests that you see here are not the best sort from society. These are the people they look down on, okay? They were excluded, okay? From all of the different things that the rich and the self-righteous of Jesus's day would keep away from. The rich and the self-righteous in Jesus's day did not want anything to do with these guys. But I want you to notice something. According to Jesus, looking at this picture of him sitting with all of these, this motley crew, according to Jesus, what does this show us? It shows us that every single person has the right to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ without partiality. Every person has a right to hear it, rich, poor, or not. And you know what I thought about when I looked at that? I thought about what James said in chapter two. Let's take a little deviation, guys. Turn to James chapter 2, and I want to read something there, keeping in mind what Jesus is doing here, right? Jesus is showing us that everyone has a right, no matter what, to hear his word, to hear the gospel. Look at James, chapter 2, And let's go right to verse 2, and I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to think about this, because I bet you, I don't bet, I can assure you, (laughs) some of you have run into this in your Christian life. James chapter 2, let's look at verse 2, and I'm going to read down just a couple of verses. And think about this, think about this. For if there should come into your church or into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, (laughs) and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes. And guys, I was thinking, here's the rich man coming down this door, this aisle here, and here's the poor guy coming down this aisle here. Let's look what it says in verse 3, right? And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there. They don't even give him a seat. The only seat they give him is where it says, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Wow. Let's go back to verse 16 in Mark. And let's continue on. I think Jesus was making a very good point in showing everybody by real life living how to accept everyone to share the gospel with them. All right. So here he is having a wonderful time. I can imagine. I can imagine the joy in this place. I can, oh, I can imagine the food. I love to eat, all right? I can imagine the food, I can imagine the fun, I can imagine the celebration. You know, when someone just comes to the Lord, this just, oh, this is awesome, a big feast. Now look at verse 16. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. (sighs) Who invited these guys? That was my question. Who invited these guys? (laughs) This is a joyous time. Levi you know had just gotten restored back to God he's sitting with Jesus he's having a meal and with his friends everybody guys and and, and here Jesus is ministering to Levi loving on these guys doing what God does best is love his people and and he's getting the word out and from nowhere out of nowhere these guys show up <laughs> amazing how how Amazing that every time you look in the Gospels at Jesus and when he is doing something for the Father, these guys show up, don't they? And, and when they show up, what do they do? They block him. They hinder him. They oppose him. And they come against the work of God. Now, I want you to think, guys. This is just what the enemy the devil and his army does with us today follow me if you want to do anything for the lord i mean anything to get closer to him simple thing read your bible i'll put you let's challenge you i'm going to read my bible one chapter every single day this week how about pray i'm going to pray for five minutes every day I'm just going to get closer to the Lord. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm just going to love the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to learn to play the guitar. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to do something, anything that you do for the Lord. I can guarantee you the enemy will show up. Even if you just want to sit with the Lord and have a nice meal, <laughs> no disturbance, no nothing. The kids are sleeping. I'm having a good time. Guarantee the enemy is going to step in and what is he going to try to do to you? He's going to try to block you. He's going to try to hinder you. He's going to try to oppose you. He is definitely going to come against you. And he's going to try to stop the work that God is doing in your life. Just like these guys did here. Notice something also about these scribes and Pharisees. They said this to the disciples, didn't they? (laughs) Right? They said to his disciples with the question of how. They spreaded doubt on Jesus and his righteousness. As if Jesus is deviating from some holy way of living by not sitting with these guys. They put doubt in the disciples' mind. They took this seed of doubt and they took it to the disciples, not to Jesus. Oh, you bring it to Jesus, he'll confront you. He'll tell you straight. He put them in their place. Woe is you what he told those guys but he brought it to the disciples guys the enemy brings these thoughts in your mind to you to get you off track to get you off the mark to get you to make bad decisions to make you not compare with the bible the things that God wants you to do He wants you to make decisions aside from the Bible. He does not want you to compare your life decisions with the Bible. Oh, the Bible's old. Put it aside. You make the decisions yourself. But God comes along and says, hey, let's look. What does the word say? What what, what am I telling you? Well, Lord, you're telling me something different than I'm hearing. Well, what are you going to do? Hmm, I'm going to go your way. Because I went my way before, and guess where I ended up? You don't want to know. A mess. But going God's way, it's amazing, right? It's just amazing. So, here Jesus is taking care of this, but they bring this doubt to those, the disciples. The enemy so seeded doubt to, uh, about Jesus to us. He's going to throw doubt to you about Jesus, about what he tells you. So, what is our protection? What do we do about this? Are we defenseless? No. Our only protection is Jesus and his holy word when we are attacked like this. Can you believe that? Only Jesus and his word will protect you. Look, when the enemy asks you, has God said? How many of you have heard that one? How about this one? The enemy says to you in your mind, how can God? this is what I want you to do. I want you to go straight to the Bible. And I want you to grab a hold of what God is sharing with you on that particular subject. And I want you to hold on to that. I don't want you to leave it. I want you to stand on it. I even want you to quote it if you have to. And say, no, this is the way I'm going to live. Look, we have got to get a hold of God's word in our life. So seriously and so reverently. And we have to use it to ward off the devil and his attacks. Now I'm telling you, if you don't, it ain't going to work. You're not smarter than him, but God is. And you got to remember, guys, you are fighting the enemy every day from a position of victory. Not a position of of losing Remember, Jesus has already stripped him of his power. He's just a a roaring lion without teeth, but he's a tricky one. But he took away all of his ammunition. He can't shoot at you. Can you imagine that? A soldier, you got the enemy here, and I'm over here, and we take all of their ammo. We still got to fight them, but it's like too easy now. They got no bullets. Well, that's sort of like the way it is with the enemy. That's why the word of God is so important. It's so powerful. And prayer works, guys. Well, we at the church know that, Pastor. Prayer works. Now, notice that they complained. These these guys here. Notice that Sadducees and Pharisees. Notice that they complained about eating with sinners. Did you see that there? They complained about eating with these sinners. Now, in the Jewish culture, when you eat with another Jew, you know what you're actually saying? We're one. All right, some of the meals, you gotta double dip. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> we kinda frown on that here in our culture. Who brought the chips and dip? Watch out. But, but really, they, they, they did this. They shared the meat and food and everything and they become one with another. These guys did not want to become one with these sinners. And they would stop anybody else, if they could, from doing it. But Jesus did want to sit with these guys. And he wanted to become one with them by them believing in him. These religious men, you know what they brought to the meal? They brought division. That's what they brought. They brought prejudice. That's what they brought. They brought exclusion. And that is exactly what self righteous religious, presidential attitude uh, breeds. And Jesus did not want this attitude to get a hold of the disciples. Can you imagine the disciples getting a hold of this attitude and starting the church? Jesus did not want to do that. So, what did he do? Look at verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love in verse 17, it starts out and it says, when Jesus heard. Think about this, guys. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus hears everything he hears every complaint he hears every question so since this is true right may everything that we say and everything that we think may it be seasoned with that knowledge that he hears everything we say and he knows everything in our heart Jesus is listening to us now according to Jesus those who are in open rebellion, that they, they've not accepted Jesus, they've not believed in him, they're extortioners, they're liars, they're all of these things, all of these guys sitting there, according to Jesus, those guys are sick. That's what he says, right? Look at verse 17. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ according to God, according to Jesus, you are sick. But notice something about Jesus. Jesus has a heart of compassion and love for the sick. Didn't he show us in in prior of our lessons before how many people he healed over and over and over again at no cost? He heals. He loves the sick and the spiritually sick. He loves them and he is desperately wanting to sit with them and show them how to get well. He says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, the heart of God looks at it this way. He sees man, us, running around this earth doing what we do without him. We don't care about him. We have my own life. I'm living my own life. Hey, I'm doing what I got to do. Don't talk to me. I'm too busy today. And all of a sudden, the Lord looks at my heart and he says, you know, if that young man dies right now, right now, walks across the street, I don't know, anything, if he dies, he is going to actually be accountable to me spiritually and stand before my my courtroom, before the judgment seat, and he will stand before me and he will say, son, oh, not son, but Richard, I've been dealing with you your whole life, but you never had time for me. Yeah, it's true. Every sin you've ever done, you're accountable for. Ooh. Ooh. There's a lot of them. Okay, what I got to do to get out of here? I got to pay for it, right? Yep. What's the payment? Well, go to the law book. For the wages of sin is death. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> How long is that? Eternity. Is it painful? Yes. Is it dark? Yes. Is it troublesome? Yes. Is it lonely? Yes. You've got to be kidding me. There's no way out? No. I've been dealing with you on earth all that time and you never have. And off I go. God sees that. It hurts him. So what does he do for mankind? He said, whoa, 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 whoa. I, everyone's a sinner. There's nobody, is anyone here in that city? You've never sinned? Raise your hand. I'll talk to you later. But every one of us are sinners. We've all done it. We've all done it. Some more than others, I'm sorry, but it's true. We've all done it. However, God says, I love you so much. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my son. Perfect in every way. He's God, he's God the Son. And I'm going to send him. He's going to be a little baby. Christmas, right? Oh, he's going to grow up 33 years. He's going to be arrested for nothing he's done, beaten, for no crime he's committed bled all of the drops of his blood out of his body on a cross. And when that blood drops down, there is nothing he's ever done wrong. And God says, the reason why I sent him is to take your place. What? Your place. You, you're a mess. You can never, ever make a way to heaven. But he can if you trust in him. So he had to die for you. Whoa. He's taking my penalty from the book that says the wages. Yes, the wages of sin of death. So he has to die for you. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He's alive and well. And he says to me as I'm running around my life, all busy out here. And he says, "Oh, do you have a minute?" "Yeah." Sit down. And I could be on a train reading a track, or I can talk to Dave. He meets me on the street. Oh, I don't know. Josh grabs a hold of me. If Josh grabs me, I'm done. I'm coming to the Lord. (laughs) And all of a sudden I sit there and I begin to talk to the Lord, you know, and I said, you know, I am sorry for what I've done. You know, I never thought that what I was doing was bad before. I kind of liked it. I liked my sin. It was pleasurable. But now it's a stench to me. It's a bad taste in my mouth. and I got this desire that says, I don't want to live this way no more. I don't know where that's coming from but yeah I want to change I I don't want to live this way I I don't know if I can change myself I I don't know what to do and I read a little bit more and it says put your faith and trust in Jesus that's it just trust him and then I bow my head in prayer and I said Lord I am so sorry for all I've done I don't want to live that way no more please Come into my life. I don't know how this works, but come into my life. Live inside of me and take charge. I'm done. Guess what happens when you do that? He does it because he saw the sincerity of your heart and he lives inside of you. And all of a sudden, you are no longer the same you are a new creation old things have passed away behold all things become new so i get up in the morning and my friends go hey rich let's go we're going to the club we're gonna go do the thing and what do i say uh, i just, you know i'll catch up to you guys a little later i got something else on my mind and i don't know why that before <laughs> give me a couple days earlier i'm the first one there Hey, 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 I want you to sign your name on this thing. We're going to make some more money. Come on. And you, How about we just push that aside for now? I'll talk to you later. What, what is all going on? What has happened is God has taken up residence in my heart, and a change has happened. I've decided to say, Lord, I'm just like Levi. You called me. I got up. I left all. And I'm following you. Two things that God is showing us today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. You need to give your heart to Jesus simply because he loves you. We love you, but we can't help you. But Jesus loves you and he can save you. So we're going to be up here in front if you want to give your heart to the Lord after we pray. And you just come right on up here and we're going to pray with you. The second thing that we learned today from our short study is that Levi was restored. If you have been feeling away from the Lord, you've been not as close to the Lord as you should, we're going to be up here also, and we're going to pray for you, because the Lord wants to bring you right back where you need to be with him. And I'm going to tell you something, I don't care how much the devil tries to attack you this week. You're going to have victory at every turn. And you're going to see God do some amazing things. So here is the end of our study for today. We learned that Jesus is a doctor, and he's willing to heal. He has compassion, and he loves us very, very much. So let's ask God's blessing, and let's pray for the close of our service. Father God, we do come before you saying thank you as we started our service today. We want to say thank you for thinking of us. Thank you for giving us breath in our lungs. It was so good to take a deep breath today. Lord, some of us are older and we're falling apart in our bodies, but yet we're mobile. We're here. Lord, we know that you have a great concern for every one of us. So, Father, I would pray that you would penetrate the heart of anyone that is listening on our live stream or sitting here before us that doesn't know you. Father, I know you love them so much. I would ask today that they would not leave this building or not leave their computer watching without making a decision for you because without that decision they have no hope but with that decision they have hope eternal life eternal lord no one could take that away so i would ask father that they would be bold enough to come after this service up here and talk to us and let us pray over them and father i would also pray for those that Awayward, those that are a bit away from you, Lord, you love them so much. You look at them just like you looked at Levi. And Lord, I would pray that they would make a commitment to recommit their life like never before and say yes to you and watch you do amazing things. So, Father, we put all of these lives in your hands. We know you can take good care of us. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.